0: Hi friends, welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City moms by Kansas City moms. We know that your time is precious and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. Hi, friends. Welcome back. So today we are talking about migraines. This is a condition that affects one in five women, according to Mayo Clinic. And Sarah and I both, unfortunately, are the one in five. Both of us are, and I'm sure a lot of you that are listening are too. We have the awesome opportunity today to visit with Dr. Laurel Short. She's a family nurse practitioner at Sunflower Medical in Roland Park, Kansas, Laurel is not your average nurse practitioner. She has advanced education on our topic of migraine. After earning her undergraduate degree from Luther College, she received her master's in nursing from the University of Kansas. She then completed her doctorate of nursing degree at the University of Missouri, Kansas, with an emphasis on self-management of chronic migraine. She is a board-certified family nurse practitioner and has a certificate of added qualification in headache medicine. We are excited for her to share her knowledge with us today, and let's get started.
1: Hi, Laurel.
0: Welcome.
1: Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Absolutely. We are, we are thrilled to have you here. And we were just talking before we started recording that this is going to be the Headache Migraine Support Club today. Sarah and I, unfortunately, both are in that camp. And we know that there are probably many, many, many listeners that um, are in our club, our unfortunate little club too. So kind of to get us started, who is affected by migraines and how many people experience this condition? And are there different types? So three questions for you, actually.
1: Perfect. Well, I think that's a great place to start. And this is such an important topic for us to be discussing because there's a lot of folks out there who are not being properly diagnosed and thinking they have, Mm -hmm. quote, you know, bad headaches when truly they have a condition called migraine that we really have more specific treatments for. So, um, just to kind of start off with some rapid fire statistics, yeah. um, migraine is in the top ten causes of disability worldwide. So, um, it really is very impactful to people, both you know, on a personal disability standpoint, and affecting our society from you know, productivity and healthcare costs. Mm-hmm. So, there's over a billion people worldwide that experience migraine. Um, it is much more common in women. So it's a ratio of three to one. So women are three times more likely to have migraine than men. So if you look at the United States population, one out of five women experience migraine. Hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot yeah. Of and because I know most of your audience are moms or parents, mm-hmm. one out of 11 children also experience migraine. So we'll try to include some information about how this condition affects kiddos in addition to adults.
2: So how does migraine impact like your individual quality of life? Um, and then also from a larger society perspective, mm-hmm. what do we see the impacts of migraine for productivity, healthcare costs, and things like that?
1: Yeah. 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 So obviously it affects everybody a little bit differently, but in general, we're going to see a lot of decreased you know, productivity. So if that's someone who works outside the home, they're either missing work. Or again, I have a lot of patients who say, well, I don't miss work. I kind of, you know, push through this, but they're clearly not able to be as productive or as focused. So, I mean, I guess I could ask either of you to kind of jump in on that. Do you experience this when you yeah. have a migraine? Yeah.
0: I feel like mine are more controlled now, but Sarah, you could probably mm-hmm. speak a little bit more to that. It's you, just kind of a dark, I feel like I'll get, I will get hormonal headaches or migraine and it will last for, you know, sometimes up to a week. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of like a dark cloud over everything. Um, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of irritable and want everybody to go away. Basically
2: <laughs> the dark yeah. room mm-hmm. sounds great. I mean, I would say mine are more
0: SARS or I would say SARS are more severe, like disabling sure than, mm-hmm. I, than I have ever had. Yeah.
2: So I get, um, even with lots of medications still get about eight a month and mm-hmm. that like, I can't carry on. I have to. Mm-hmm. And luckily I have medicine that, you know, within 45 minutes I'm back in action. But I remember as a kid, I mean, mine are have a strong genetic link, but you know, my mom, before there was good when Immatrix was a injection yeah. and cost mm-hmm. so much money that they couldn't, she couldn't just afford to do it every single time. Yep. Um, and so she would be in bed for days. And my mom mm-hmm. was the same. She had um, really bad ones. And mine, I also get different kinds. Um, so I get where I get really, really dizzy and can't even stand up. Like my husband mm-hmm. would have to carry me to another room because I can't stand up.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and those are rare. But they're much more, I mean... I wouldn't be able to go to work or take care of my kids.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Along along that line, Laurel, are there, how many different types of migraine are there?
1: Or is that, or is it like infinity? (laughs) Yeah. Easy question to answer. Well, it's a little bit debated. Um, So if you talk to a headache specialist and a neurologist, there are these different terms we'll use. So someone may have heard of a a visual migraine, which Uh is a term that we use sometimes where you're not having head pain, but you have vision changes, or you'll, you might hear a term of atypical migraine, which um, is a a pretty severe form where someone may, um, as Sarah mentioned, get extremely dizzy or even get weakness on one side of their body. And so Mm -hmm. usually testing is done to make sure it's not a stroke. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we look at, if you, if you use migraine as the umbrella term, and then you have the kind of subtypes underneath it, the treatment is all the same. It's all the same kind of thing happening in the brain, but it can look different in different people. And one thing, again, because this is the KC Moms podcast I wanted to mention, Mm. is with children, we can sometimes see a condition called abdominal migraine. And so if a parent Mm. has migraine and they start observing a child having these episodes where they just kind of out of the blue get very nauseated and have some episodes of vomiting and then they're fine... That can actually be migraine presenting in a child. And then as they get older, it can turn into what we think is more of a, a traditional migraine that adults experience. So yes, there are kind of these subtypes, but it's all the same process in, in the brain that's going on. Interesting. So kind of along
0: those lines, what, what's the genetic component when it comes to migraines? It's like, if you have them, are your kids for sure going to, you know, that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. I think, Sarah, yep. you said your mom has them. You have them. My mom has them. Mm-hmm. I
1: have them. My son gets them. Yep. Sarah's son, her
0: mm-hmm. oldest, has
1: them. Yeah, there's, there's a strong genetic link. So any chronic condition, we talk about um, risk factors that we can control and risk factors that we cannot control. And obviously, one of the biggest things we don't have control over our genetics, right? So whether that's migraine or high blood pressure, et cetera. So if one parent has migraine, the child is about 50% likely Mm, to experience migraine. And then that can also be influenced by other environmental things, right? So um, you both probably can um, um, identify with like, oh, you know, I didn't get a good night of sleep and I maybe was a little dehydrated yesterday. And those two things together make it more likely that I'm going to experience an episode. Like you kind of know yeah. what your triggers are. Totally. Um, and so that's, you know, just something to keep in mind if, if you're a parent who has migraine to, to be uh, kind of observing your, your child. And then if both parents experience migraine, it goes up to 80% that the yeah. child may experience migraine. So, you know, if I look at my family, um, and this is one of the reasons I'm I'm personally passionate about this. My father Mm -hmm. has had migraines his whole life. So I grew up watching, you know, he was the primary breadwinner. My mom um, was an at-home parent. And so Mm -hmm. he really, I I cannot remember a single time that he missed work. He always went to work, um, but he would get just violently ill. He had a lot of Mm -hmm. food triggers. And then there's three of us um, siblings and two of us, my brother and I both experience migraine headaches and my sister does not. Um, And my mom does not have migraine.
0: Interesting.
1: Hmm. Um, so like kind of how I
2: mentioned my mom, you know, having a totally different experience than I had, Mm -hmm. um, same symptoms, same like journey of, you know, the time in our hormonal journey when it was the worst, but, um, medications have changed a lot. And can you talk about, you know, some of the newest medications and then, um, how those differ from the past and then maybe the balance of
1: preventative um, medication versus abortive. Absolutely. And so this is one of the reasons why I really want to highlight this topic. In um, June is actually national headache and migraine awareness month. So it's a great yeah. time to be um, hopefully improving awareness among individuals that we do have better treatments that we're specifically tested, researched, and developed for the condition of migraine. Um, so I'd love to kind of spend a few minutes talking about that. Um, and in general, when when someone comes to healthcare provider, at least the way I think about it is at first, I need to get a really good history. Um, as you kind of alluded to, we have medications that are more what we call rescue or abortive medications that you mm-hmm. use when you feel the headache coming on. And then we also have another bucket or category of medicines that are preventive. So something you either take every day or once a month or even every three months. And those are to mm-hmm. prevent the migraines from happening. And so someone who's listening might think, well, how do I know which type of medicine I need? And that's all based on how often you're having these episodes. So if mm-hmm. you have not discussed this with a healthcare provider or you're thinking you should start keeping notes, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a paper calendar or you even want to just make a little chart Um, There's tons of apps out there. And just start keeping notes because, as you mentioned, Megan, this is not just the day of the headache, right? There's Mm -hmm. the first phase of the migraine that a lot of people aren't aware of. The medical term is prodrome. But the way you could think about it is your warning signs or those kind of first little symptoms of, hey, my neck is starting to get tight or Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel tired, I'm yawning a lot. Um, And and that's when you want to start kind of the clock, if you will, on the migraine attack is when you're having those warning signs or maybe that mild head painting started, but it hasn't fully escalated. And then um, most people don't actually experience a true visual aura. Um, About about 30% of people will where they have um, a fuzzy patch in their vision or it might look like kind of zigzags around an oval shape. That would be considered an aura, but most people don't actually have that. And then what we really think of classically as a migraine is that intense throbbing pain. That's when you want to go lay in the dark room. You don't want to talk to anybody. So that's kind of the peak phase. And then the final phase that I still want you to keep notes on is the medical term is postdrome, but most people call it the hangover, right? Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever used that term with, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I'm in a fog. Maybe the mm-hmm. head pain is gone or it's almost gone, but I feel really yucky. I feel tired. And that can last a whole day. So you really yeah. want to keep notes on all of those things and make sure you tell your healthcare provider providers so that we can determine if you would benefit from both a preventive and a rescue medication. Yeah.
0: And I feel like a personal experience in the past, um, and I think moms are very um, guilty of this. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, I'll remember. Like, I'll remember it. Well, no, I... <laughs> I mm-hmm. never do. And so when there have been times where I have tracked and I've just printed off like a free calendar offline, I'm like a paper, paper, pencil person. Mm-hmm. And even just like putting a check mark on headache days. And then when the month's over, and this is before I was being, you know, I feel like effectively treated for these. I was like, oh my gosh, these are like all the time. And I mm-hmm. think that with headache and migraine, it's a condition, a chronic condition where, it can just become part of your normal life and you don't even realize it's kind of like when you're sick, it's like when you, you're sick, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never going to take for granted feeling well. And then it's the same thing with headache. Even if you have a dull headache, it's like the days where you feel good, you feel like a million bucks because you don't realize that those days are so infrequent. Um, so I think the idea, like you said, of tracking is so important so that when you do see your provider, um, you have an accurate picture rather than like, oh, I get them all the time or, oh, mm-hmm. I don't think they're as bad as I think they are. Well, they, you know, they may be pretty
1: severe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and and you totally hit the nail on the head. I think uh, most people, I saw this with my dad, I see this with patients and um, they just tend to be very stoic about their migraines because yeah. on the, on the kind of more, what I would call green days, like the mild headache days, yep. like, well, it's, it's not a red day. So yes. I'm, I'm not yes. going to count that. But I tell patients, I want to know about all the days because I want you to have crystal clear days. Yeah. So um, if you're having them a lot, sometimes it's easier to turn the question around. How many days per month are you truly crystal clear? Yeah. And if that's, you know, if that's 10 days or less, then, you know, you really have, we have room to go on that, but that's not Mm -hmm. what I want your normal to be. I don't want your normal to be having a headache every day. Um, And so we actually use uh, different terms in the... I'm kind of the the medical world of episodic migraine Mm. and chronic migraine and chronic doesn't necessarily mean you've had them your whole life. When we use it from a diagnosis standpoint, it means that more than half the month you have some sort of headache. So you're not laying in a dark room every day, but if you're having headache and or neck pain and any of those symptoms more than 15 days a month, we want to make sure we use the right term so that we can choose the right treatment as Sarah was was asking about, so you might mm-hmm. hear those terms if you're you know reading or talking to your healthcare provider of episodic migraine and chronic migraine. That's right. Really so kind of, kind of yeah, yeah. So just um, it can get a little complicated because yes, it's chronic if you've had it your whole life. From but a, a diagnosis standpoint, we kind of use the term a little bit differently. Um, and so to kind of get back to medications, um, you know, up until five years ago. We really only had medications from a a preventive standpoint that were developed for other things. So to kind of break it down, there were three main categories that we would use for prevention. One is antidepressant medication that Mm -hmm. just happens to, you know, help people with migraine. And they can still be helpful, especially if you're someone who has trouble falling asleep at night. We'll sometimes use um, a medicine called amitriptyline uh, because it also can help with sleep. Um, But any of these old medicines we're going through have a lot higher side effect risk. And so there's always this kind of, uh, you know, pro and con, if you will, of like, well, you know, it it may help, but we need to be careful with the dose that we use because it could also have side effects, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's one category is the antidepressant medication. And actually we also, um, like if you've taken something like, Zoloft or Lexapro, Uh those serotonin medicines, those also count as something you've tried. And that's something you want to keep in mind because if you feel you're a candidate for a newer medicine, Uh your healthcare provider is going to have to tell your insurance company Uh that you've tried two older medications. So unfortunately, this is just something that we have to check some boxes. So you want to make sure you make some notes on what you've tried if you wanna try one of the the newer medicines. So we have that category. And then the next category is beta blocker medicines. And the most common is propranolol. And these are medicines that were developed in high doses for blood pressure, but in low doses, they can work for headaches. They also can help with anxiety to some extent. So um, often if we make a selection, we're kind of trying to maybe treat two things at once. Even better. I've
2: Mm -hmm. taken (laughs) both of those medications. Okay. Yeah, I, I took propanolol yes, yeah. as a teenager, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and now my and blood pressure is too low to take it. So I take the not amtriptyline, but nortriptyline. So. Nortriptyline, yeah. Uh-huh. So
1: I'm, and I'm curious, Sarah. Do you remember as a teenager if it helped you? If like, if it was effective?
2: I don't know. Um, I really can't remember back mm-hmm. then because um, mine were so. I don't think I knew my triggers either which Uh I was going to say is also really important for, you know, taking notes. Mm -hmm. I would get the um, visual ones. Like I remember sitting in middle school and like taking notes and then gradually the words just kind of falling off the page. Um, And now I don't get that kind and I don't get them when I'm pregnant, but.
0: Um, me neither. It's a beautiful time,
2: but for me, I mean, going to a neurologist and learning more about them and then knowing my triggers, like mine are chocolate and alcohol Mm, and mm
0: -hmm. barometric
2: pressure. Um,
0: sad life going there.
2: Right. (laughs) I know, right. All the good things. It's usually wine and chocolate, right? Those are the
1: Uh terrible. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, So, oh, go ahead, Laurel. Well, so we kind of went through two of the three older medicines, um, okay. antidepressants and the in the beta blockers. And the third one is really not my favorite, um, but it's one that you know was used for a long time because we didn't have better mm-hmm. options, are anti-seizure medicines. And the most common mm-hmm. is to- topiramate, or the brand name is Topamax. And sometimes yes. we'll use a, a nickname, Dopamax, because it makes you feel very foggy, mm-hmm. um, word-finding difficulty. It makes carbonated things taste really funny. Um so it's just not my favorite medication, no. but that was used for a, for a long time. And, it, and it's still used sometimes, but um, less often because, again, we have um, newer medications. Um, and so about five years ago, um, so before the pandemic is kind of how I have to think about everything these days, um, pre, pre-COVID. Um, so in 2018, the first of three of the injection medications came out. So um, folks may have seen commercials for these. The brand names are Amovig. Um, gality and a and the mm-hmm. generics are much harder uh, to pronounce and remember but there, we call them quote mabs um arenumab freminezumab and galkinezumab um and these oh, are gosh. monoclonal yeah so mouthful don't have to remember that part okay. um but these are what we call uh, monoclonal antibodies so it's a, a large molecule and it has to be injected once a month into your stomach or your thigh because it's It wouldn't work to take from an oral standpoint. So set it and forget it. It works really great for some people, especially if you don't like to take um, a daily medication. And the way these new medications work is they block one of the main brain chemicals that's causing the migraine called CGRP or calcitonin gene related peptide. Um, Again, won't, won't quiz anybody on that, but I just think it's helpful to kind of get an idea of, well, how is this working? Right? So we have these new medications, um, but I think it's kind of empowering for individuals to understand that um, we identified actually a few decades ago that this CGRP was one of the primary causes of migraine, but it takes a long time for medications um, to be developed. So back in mm-hmm. the 70s, there were actually some research studies that looked at if uh, like Megan and Sarah, if I took a sample of your blood when you're having a migraine, I could actually measure your level of CGRP and it would be high. And then when that migraine is over, the level goes back down. Um, So that was interesting, but they had to do a separate study to say, well, is that just a correlation or, you know, let's take that a a step further. So some people, I don't know if I would volunteer for this, but some people volunteered to get an infusion of CGRP and if you're oh, someone who gets migraines, yeah, yeah. so they'd hook you up to an IV. I hope they got paid a lot and, of money. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So basically volunteering to see if you'd get a migraine from this. Um, and the answer was yes. So okay. if we give you CGRP and you're someone who is a, quote, migrainer, or someone who gets migraine, then we can elicit a migraine attack um, by giving you CGRP. Interesting. So these newer, yeah.
0: okay, you said they're called MAG. Is it MAG or MAB? Oh, sorry. M-A-B is in boy. MAB. M-A-B. M-A-B. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. for those newer mm-hmm. injections, those are all injectable? mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Would all three of those, if you were somebody who is looking into um, a treatment plan, all three of those, would you have had to have already tried X, Y, Z to be eligible?
1: Yes. Since it I'm- is a
0: newer drug? Yeah, no, I can't say
1: 100%. Like, for example, TRICARE does not usually require us to document. um, And every plan is a little different. But a good good rule of thumb is most plans want to see that you've tried two older generic medications before they are going to approve um, one of the newer medications. So, and of the three injectables, all the clinical data is very, very similar. So I can't say but one is going to work better than the other. And unfortunately, we do sometimes have to look at the insurance and say, well, does your insurance have a preference for, mm-hmm. you know, MGality over the other two? Or So there's three. They're Amovig, Ajovi, and MGality. And, and personally, as a, you know, headache specialist, mm-hmm. healthcare provider, I think they all work really well. So we just kind of have to talk to each patient. And um, the way I describe it is, hey, now we have a menu, so we can go over the menu together and decide as a team, you know, which, which of these is going to be the be best for you. Okay, so, That, mm-hmm. yeah, that leads
0: perfectly into, so you, you've talked about um, that treating migraine, the best approach is like a toolkit approach. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about your website with that and how self-management strategies can significantly
1: benefit uh, migraine control? Absolutely. So, you know, I often say, we could have the best medication in the world, but if we don't support that with, you know, healthy habits, mm-hmm. then it's not going to work as well as it could. Right. Sure. Um, and in addition to those injection medications, just so folks are aware if they're like, Oh, I don't know about an injection or just so you know what all the options are. There's also a, a daily pill version that works very similar called q um, So just know that that is an option. Um, and then there are two rescue medicines that also block, the CGRP called Nurtec and Ubrelvy. You may have seen Serena Williams doing commercials for the Ubrelvy <laughs> one because um, she's kind of a, a famous person with migraine. So I just want you to know that we have these options both for preventive and for rescue. And so if you're someone who has a migraine, all you have to do is simply bring this up to your healthcare provider and say, hey, do you think I'm a candidate for one of these newer medications or I'm interested? And if you're someone who has chronic migraine, so more than 15 days per month. You may also be a really good candidate for Botox for chronic mm-hmm. migraine, which is done every three months. Um, and that can be done with a specialist provider or some primary care providers like myself do that treatment. So again, we have all these really great um, options that are FDA approved for migraine. And then on your side, so what you can do as the individual from a self-management standpoint is, as Sarah mentioned, you know, start keeping notes about what your triggers might be. We can't you know, avoid everything. I just came back from Colorado where I'm in this nice, dry, you know, <laughs> environment. And we just got back last night and it woke up this morning with a headache. you know, yeah. maybe it was just from the travel. Maybe it's from the pressure change, who knows. But, um, you know, fortunately I have, um, you know, one of the newer rescue medicines. And so I'm able to take that and it usually uh, works, you know, pretty quickly so I can mm-hmm. get on about my day. Uh, but I also know that if I don't stay on a sleep schedule and I don't stay well hydrated or Mm -hmm. I go too long without eating and my blood sugar gets low, those are all things that we are in control of. Right. And so, um, if you know your kid has a soccer tournament this weekend, it's going to be super hot outside. What are some strategies that you can think of ahead of time to, you know, keep your Mm -hmm. body temperature down a little bit, pack snacks. So your blood sugar isn't getting low, um, just control what we can control. And by keeping, um, Some notes and, you know, kind of looking at, are there some out of my stress bucket? We can't, you know, we can't manage all stress the same way, but maybe there are some things you could take off your plate to lower your stress level. Um, because obviously that's, I know, or as moms, like we're always juggling a lot of balls. Right. Um, Caffeine is not the enemy. So sometimes patients will ask me if they need to stop caffeine. No, you don't. Um, But there is a threshold for most people of about 200 milligrams a day. Um, Mm -hmm. So it depends what you like to get from Starbucks. But if you can kind of one cup of coffee at home, if it's like a normal coffee size, not a 16 ounce um, would be about 100 to 150 milligrams. So it doesn't really take that much coffee or other things with caffeine to get you to 200 milligrams a day. Okay. Yeah. That's
0: really helpful. I saw this, um, reel that was going around Instagram and it was, I'm going to butcher it, but it was like every husband or significant other, when the wife says that they have a headache and it's like, Uh the husband's like, have you drink water or like try drinking water? Uh And I was laughing because I swear anytime I say I have a headache, my husband's like, well, you got to drink more water. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Although I, I tell my
2: child who has a migraine, I'm like, well, how much Drink water, water? I
0: know, or my kids too. I'm like, you guys need to I be know. I do and think I a big
2: game changer for me, like when you said kind of being prepared, was I carry um so my son, who's eleven, has a cocktail that he does.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it's three pills. And then I have Actually, mine's kind of a cocktail, too, now that I think about it. Uh Um, But I have Ziploc bags, and I just keep those in my bag always Mm
0: -hmm. because
2: most migraine, like, rescue meds work if you take them early and, you know, when you first feel those symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so just as a mom being prepared, if I have both his meds and my meds so that if we're out, it doesn't ruin it because if we're in the middle of something, we don't have, you know, our drugs, it's like – panicking because you know how bad it's going to get
1: if I can't take that right away. Absolutely. And there's no, you're not going to be able to predict if it's going to happen at home versus when you're out. And if you think about common headache and migraine triggers, it probably is more likely that it's going to happen when you're at an outdoor event or when you're traveling and you're kind of off your schedule, um, et cetera. So absolutely think Ziploc baggies, or I have like one of those tiny little makeup, you know, toiletry things that I keep in my a backpack. That way it can move it back and forth if it's, you know, a work day or a, a travel day, um, things like that. And so um, there's lots of other kind of ideas and strategies on my toolkit website. That's what I did for my doctoral project was I created this. It's just totally open access and it's all focused on patient education. Um, it's called yourmigrainetoolkit.com. So hopefully yes, we can will, link that yes, in the show notes. totally link to that. Perfect. And so when you go to the website, at the it's all kind of on one page. You don't have to click around. And at the top, there are these very short animated videos. And my goal with that was to kind of create some little videos to help folks kind of understand what is migraine, understand why we want to take our rescue medication early and not wait. And I think the videos are helpful, not just for the person who has migraine, but maybe for the family to also watch to understand that, hey, this is what mom is going through. Or this is what dad is going through. And it's a silent thing mm-hmm. that we can't see. But this is kind of how it f- affects them. And this is why maybe they're doing certain habits or you know talking about these um, kind of strategies that they're going to do to try to help reduce their headache, severity, and frequency. Um, and then underneath the videos, um, there's some links to some other podcasts that I've been on. And then I broke it into some of these common habits like hydration, stress management, mm-hmm. um, sleep hygiene. And before I had the website, I was always making like post-it notes or, you know, grabbing little scraps of paper to write things down for patients. And so the idea was, can I have everything That's kind of so in great. one place? Yeah. Yes. And then there's um, the last thing that I wanted to mention on the website is there's a very simple chart you can print off that you can use for your tracking because I find that some of the apps, yeah, some of the apps almost have like too much going on. And Uh so then it's like, oh, this is kind of overwhelming. So I'm just not going to use it. And so the chart is just very, very simple and it's color coded. So green, yellow, red. So red is a bad day. You know, yellow is a medium day and green is... a mild day. And then you can, you'll see when you pull it up, but there's like, you can check mark some of your habits, like your hydration, or did you sleep well? Um, Did you try one of your new rescue medications? Um, And I'm curious, since you guys have both had migraine a long time, if you kind of have this challenge of, you know, when to take a rescue medicine and the reason I bring that up is the, the newer medications, I hope people don't hesitate as much because yes. the older, you know, the older <sighs> medicines, we worried about, about rebound effect, right? So if uh-huh. you took your Imitrex, you know, three days in a row, you could get a rebound after that's kind of like a caffeine withdrawal, or it was expensive, like yes. Sarah said. So you're sitting yes. there going, well, th- this is a $20 pill. Is it really I worth
0: yes. taking?
1: So that's such I, a good point. Yeah, so we think that was our old habit, and we probably caused confusion as healthcare providers because we're like, "Well, treat early, but don't take it more than two days a week." And they're yeah. like, "Well, what is it? Like, which which way do you want me to do it?" And so now, the bottom line is your takeaway: if you're using one of the newer medicines like Ubrelvy or Nortec, it does not cause a rebound. So if you need to uh, take it a few something. days in a row, fine. You know, go ahead and, and do that because. We know from a a research standpoint, if you treat that headache early, you're less likely to get one the next day or within the next few days.
0: That's so helpful. Um, Okay. This is not something we had discussed talking about, but similar rebound headaches. Um, I and other people actually have a very close friend right now that she is taking like ibuprofen adult something daily. And I remember doing that when I was really young. Like I literally lived on ibuprofen. Can you, and I think a lot of people can get into that. Can you talk about
1: your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. And, and number one, I don't want anyone to feel like they've caused their headaches because yes, obviously sure. you're just, you're just looking for relief, right? You're just right? To, exactly, exactly. Absolutely, and, and it can kind of just happen gradually where maybe first you're just taking the ibuprofen or the Excedrin a couple times a week and before you know it, you're taking it every day. Um, but if you are one of those folks who's taking ibuprofen, Excedrin, Tylenol, any of those things daily or almost every day, absolutely talk to your healthcare provider about more prescription-specific medication uh, because it can, we have a lot of research that shows um, the medical term uses medication overuse headache, where when you're using those over the over the counter medicines, it's actually kind of perpetuating the frequency um, and severity of your migraines, and so then you may be kind of panicking and going, "Well, what do I do?" Just talk to your healthcare provider. I mean, you could stop cold turkey if you want. You're not going to feel good for about a week, and then you should start to feel better once you've kind of gotten it out of your out of your system. Sure. Um, but if you start a preventive medication often, especially one of the newer meds, like the injection or q or Botox, then you can often naturally stop using the -the over-the-counter stuff as much. And so the long-term goal is that you're using it less than twice a week. Okay.
0: That's, that's super helpful. And I think too, I think that's another, like, you know, for anybody who's listening, like if you're having to take something every single day, like that is not a good quality of life. Get Absolutely, done. and Absolutely. I, again, like we talked about, I think people just get—and I've been there—you just get used to it, and you just think that's normal. And I'm just telling you that is not normal, and you deserve to feel better than that every single day. So, anyway, so Laurel, kind of wrapping up with our last question: if if one of our listeners is listening and they've been suffering from chronic headache or migraine where should he or she start in seeking out some relief?
1: Absolutely. I think that's a great way to wrap up. Um, Well, over 70% of people with headache and migraine are treated in the primary care setting. So that's a great place to start is with your primary care provider, your family practice specialist. Um, And I really believe that the newer medications, you know, that should be their their you know biggest place of use isn't isn't primary care. Um, obviously we have neurologists and headache specialists available, but there's so many millions of people with migraine, we don't have enough neurologists to see everybody. And this is such a common condition, there's no reason why you know it can't be treated in the in the primary care setting. Um, so I would start there and if for some reason they don't feel like they can treat it, then they can refer you to a headache specialist or neurologist but often you can start some of those first line things with your your primary care um, family practice provider and and then kind of go from there but i would go in with notes like take notes yes. ahead of time and because i always argue when i'm teaching to other nurse practitioners and healthcare providers if your
0: mm-hmm.
1: patient you know your client brings this up to you it's impacting their quality of life Absolutely. and most like you know most likely it's migraine if it's someone who gets an occasional Dehydration headache. They are not going to take the time to bring it up. Yes, in a clinic visit. Yes. Um, so just you know, don't be shy about emphasizing how it's affecting you. How is yeah. this impacting your quality of life? You know, how is it? I've had patients tell me they push through during the workday, and then they have nothing left to really enjoy their kids in the evening. Yeah. And it just it can be very emotional to talk about this, but yeah. um, it's it's important. So I would just make some notes ahead of time. Really. Talk about how it affects your life and then um, ask, you know, what your options are. That's great. Laurel, thank you so much. This was
0: phenomenal. Um, we will link to um, your your website, because I think that is such a great tool, no pun intended, with the toolbox <laughs> kit, um, and your contact information if you're okay with people reaching out to you. Um, absolutely, absolutely. questions or um, anything. So thank you seriously so much. And for all the work you've done like in this field, um, because I feel like there are a lot of practitioners that just don't know a lot about headaches, um, or have minimal knowledge. And so I think the more people we have, like you that have more education surrounding it, just the better quality of life people like Sarah and I will have and yourself.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah and Megan, both for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take care. Thanks.
0: Okay, what we're loving in Kansas City right now. Sarah, what are, have you guys been up to on these lovely hot days of summer?
2: So we have discovered, we already had a pickleball like net for our driveway. Okay. Um, But we, on accident, went to the gym and the kids' gym was closed. And so we needed something to do. Yeah. And um, we go to the Jewish Community Center Yep. And they have paddles and balls and indoor courts. Um, they have outdoor too, but indoor is more our speed for July. Yes. Um, and so we've really enjoyed that. And even my younger kids have been able to, at least, you know, with a partner participate. Um, and that's kind of been our go to when we need people out of the house and we need some teamwork. Oh, uh, like every day. Uh-huh. And so you can go, I mean, most gyms have pickleball courts now um you know even a lot of the parks have places where you can reserve to play or first come first serve so and obviously then like you know there's serve and chicken and pickle yeah um, both south and north so lots of places but that's been something fun for our family to do together
0: how did you know how to play pickleball
2: i mean it's kind of like big
0: ping pong i don't okay. know okay
2: like correctly in the rules.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm intrigued, good. but I just like can't mentally yeah. learn a sport at this stage. It's pretty self-explanatory. Pretty low you know, level.
2: Seven-year-olds are not really. <laughs> okay. You were at the gym and it's kind of started like in retirement homes, I think more. Uh-huh. And so my 7 year olds said, oh, wait, it's so fun that the grandmas are playing. <laughs>
0: Sarah, that's that's the sales pitch that I needed right there. That one line. You can do it. I can do it. I can do it.
2: I mean, has kids camps, and they also have like times when you can go and get a lesson. And even oh, our Jay like a couple times a week, like clinics.
0: Okay. Um, to to I improve think, improve your game.
2: Or just learn the rules.
0: Or learn the rules. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Okay. So this may or may not be helpful to people because the camp enrollment, you know, was what, like five years ago for this summer (laughs) comes up so (laughs) early every year. But, um, I wanted to share about my son who is going on six this fall. Um, he had not, he has not yet learned how to ride a two wheel bike and he's the type of kid that we're not going to push that. Um, and signed him up for a camp through Johnson County Parks and Rec. This particular summer, this camp met at Meadowbrook Park. Apparently in the past they were at, uh, I think, Roland Park Community Center. So they rotate around. But it was called Buddy Pegs. And it is a bike camp. Um, and he was invited. So don't think I'm some, like, super proactive parent that came up with this idea. That he was <laughs> invited with by a friend to do this. And you guys, literally, I dropped him off Monday morning. from nine to two, nine to noon, three hours with his training wheels on. And I picked him up at 12 o'clock. I walked up to the little shelter and there he is doing laps with just two wheels Hmm. in one three hour. Maybe I'm overselling the program. Maybe my child is a biking savant. I'm just saying whatever they were doing there, (laughs) I don't know how they, I don't know what they did. So The buddy pegs is for kids that are still learning. And apparently they decided to bump him up. So the, if your kid can already ride a two wheeler, it's called like adventures in biking, I think. Um, and they just do, you know, probably not as basic of stuff, but anyways, he loved it so much. Um, some of the stuff they worked on, I was like, wow. Um, one day they worked on biking downhill. I was like, well, I'm glad you did that with a nice 16 year old boy and not your mom or your dad worked mm-hmm. out much better probably. Um, but they just, I don't know. It was great. Like I cannot say enough good things about the camp and he wants to go back next summer. So put that on your docket. Do you ask um, something?
2: They have classes year round too. Oh, no clubs. way. School clubs like for elementary kids to, um, at different parks in Kansas City. Okay. And it's, Kansas. what's it called? I'll link buddy to it. buddy pegs
0: Yeah. There's and learn to pedal
2: classes and then they have summer camp, but
0: so all year round. Oh games. my gosh. Okay. Well now my suggestion all of a sudden is relevant. So thank you for that. <laughs> and they have birthday parties. So Okay. Oh, that could be fun too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we've got lots of ideas for you people. So enroll <laughs> your child and go play pickleball. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you guys for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas city moms, as well as rate and review as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just
1: to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you
0: can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City MomCast.